So, here's a heavy question. Do you remember the last time someone broke up with you? It's that feeling. And no one will ever understand what it was like. I also remember the last time someone broke up with me. Except, I have a recording of it. And a podcast to broadcast it on. I'm about to play it to you. Here it is. Hello again, Tom Hogan. Hi, Bonnie Lee Dodds. Um, so, I found him. <laughs> no. Fuck off. Where is he? Would you like me to read you the email he has just sent to me? (gasps) Yes! A thousand times yes. Is it positive? No, wait, wait, read it. Hi, Tom. Sorry to take my time responding to your letter. And unfortunately, I will have to decline your request. These days, I'm involved in areas other than my previous career, and it's simply not possible for me to assist. Having said that, I'd like to wish you every success with your venture. Thank you so much for the thought. Regards, Richard Mercer. Uh, <laughs> my heart is broken. I mean, we found him. We found him. But I'm, I'm shattered. Yeah. No. <laughs> 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 My name is Tom, and I'm making a theatre show with my friend Bonnie all about love songs and the radio host Richard Mercer. The problem is, uh, he doesn't want to be involved. This is Missing Richard Mercer. Normally in the podcast, there's a recording here of Richard Mercer on air. But I'm not ready for that just yet. (laughs) And there's someone more important I need to speak to first. I need someone who loses their phone every time I see them. Someone who listens to a lot of Belinda Carlisle. Someone who orders The Godfather from Domino's. I need a pizza and beer night with someone who understands. I need Bonnie Lee Dodds. Boopy bop boop skibbity pop boo. Boopity scow. Ladies and gentlemen, Bonnie Lee Dodds. <laughs> I told you she was it's brilliant. Skibbity bop boop. Boopity skip. So, hi, Bonnie Lee Dodds. Thank oh. you for joining me. Hello, Tom. Hi it's again. so good to have you in Sydney, Bonnie Lee Dodds. Oh, it's so good to be here. Um, for those listening, we just had uh, pizza and beer night. Oh. It's so good. After our uh, rejection from... One R. Mercer. One R. Mercer. 
How are you feeling, Tom? Look. You okay? Not going to lie. It was eight weeks of finding someone and they said no. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> perhaps I could have, I don't know. I don't know. It would have been very nice. Yeah. This does feel like a bit of a post-breakup night. I feel like <laughs> yeah, no. I've come over, we've gotten pizza and beer. I need you in beer. Sydney now. We need to have pizza and beer. Richard Mercer just Richard said Mercer no. Richard Mercer left me. <sighs> okay. So, oh, Richard. <laughs> what are we going to do, Bonnie? <laughs> um, um, at this point, I have literally no idea. Yes. What, what's, the, what's the alternative here? Do we... If anyone has um, Cameron Dedo's uh, <laughs> phone number, should we reveal what the plan was? Not the like we. It w- wasn't that we'd planned for him to actually physically be there. That we had, yeah, asked just, him to do just, some voiceovers for us. Yeah, just to you know give it a sense of authenticity. Yeah, and now we don't have that anymore. We really wanted Richard Mercer's presence, um, mm. also to be defined by himself in that in the show, just as much as it is. Defined by us, you yeah. Know? No, we've been in control of that so far, right? That yeah. We're choosing the the Richard Mercer voiceovers that are resonating most with us um, amongst the seventeen years of dedications. Like we found some really good ones. There are so many. There are so many. What's been your favorite? Oh man, just whenever the, whenever someone is just doesn't know what to do, so they call him, and so they call him, <laughs> and they're really sad. And then he has to get them to say what happened. It's like, yeah. just having a bad night. He's like, oh, is it a bad one? He's like, yeah, it's a bad one. I'm sorry to hear that. Let's put a song out to Yeah, the, we'll put the, a... Like, that's his, that's his song. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's just... I think those... Those are my... Those are some of my favourites as well. The ones that I think I've, I've said before, and I, I'll say it again. <laughs> I think for a period of time where we desperately needed it, Richard Mercer was a potential solution to toxic masculinity in Australia. Mm. Well, there was like definitely proof of him dealing with it like face on. Yeah. Well, I mean, just that there were, if you haven't already gone and listened to those hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of voiceovers, you can, but like of the, of the dedications you can, but there are so many men who call up um, and who cry or who call up and just like really expose themselves to Richard and, I, you get the idea they would just not do that to anybody else in their life, but somehow they felt comfortable to rig up public radio <laughs> and speak to a stranger with yeah. a deep voice, and he just is very soothing. And I love that there was a little pocket of time in Australia where that was a thing. Yeah, like it, it did. Like it just feels kind of authentic or real. Like, it, like it, if this whole time there's this question that keeps coming up over whether or not he was real or not, or whether mm. he was authentic, or whether he was genuine, whether he was sincere, and it's like. Whether or not he was, he was dealing with people that were. Yeah. Um, and he dealt with them well and yeah. delicately and really sensitively and with, I would say, grace and poise, but I don't want to... <laughs> and there are, like, there are times when you can hear him laughing, how, how, how is this real life? Yeah, you can hear him trying to be like, oh... F- really? <sighs> but okay, that's all okay, right. Yeah, let's but he also never, tr- he never judges and he never tries to solve the problem because mm. that's not his job. And I really, I really respect that because it would be so tempting to have, you know, day after day, hundreds of people call you and be like, hello, I'm having this terrible time in my life. And you'd want to be like, have you thought about ABCD? You know, and he's never done that. He always goes, okay. Um, and yeah. why is that making you feel that way? And 
Is there a solution for you, do you think? No. No, all right. Well, let's play this song. You yeah. know, it's always, it's the same way. And he, and he always exits the conversation with, I think the best thing for this moment is for me to play, um, you know, Celine Dion. Oh, man. And she got played. <laughs> uh, potently uh, requested. So, throughout all the listening to all these dedications, mm. Bonnie and I have, um, after some grueling documentation, we have found the top 100 most requested songs from this show over that yeah. time. And they're all corkers. Absolutely. Like, uh, yeah, it's amazing. The general public has incredible taste. Incredible taste. <laughs> um, <laughs> Up until 2013 and then beyond that, we don't know. <laughs> yeah, who knows what happened to Australian <laughs> taste buds after that. Um, <laughs> what they wanted. Yeah. Like, what are some of... Like, so, okay, so we've been, we've been, like, listening to these love songs and not only the love songs, the dedications and finding out, like, why these songs work or why these they work as dedications or what role does that possibly play in someone's lives. And even if it, like, if we don't know, like... Mm. There's proof that it is playing that role. That like somewhere in that discussion, we need to hear Shania Twain, or like it, it yeah. just keeps coming up. Like Trisha Yearwood is incredibly important, or I need to hear UB40's version of um, "Falling in <laughs> so Love with You" so many times, <laughs> um, which is, is great. Um, so, what do we do with that? Once we've got the top 100, how do we? What we cut it down? Yes, I mean, like, okay, so you and I have been talking to. Everyone. Everybody. 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 Strangers, friends, partners, parents. Do you remember when we were um we we were having coffee before rehearsal just a few weeks ago mm. and um Pedro came up. Pedro, yes. Pedro. Um He was reading the game. He was reading the game. <laughs> like specific love song thing as well? Or is that only specific to my love song, but like in Brazil we had like um a very famous radio and they I always was into like old uh, 80s uh, music uh, songs from 80s or yeah 90s, of course you know? and there was this um, this late show that was like the the old musics from like it was a section of the of the radio that would just play like old music and right. the intro was uh, Carlton Crow's Mr. Jones yeah okay cool <laughs> that was the intro that was and like one of the first songs I learned to play on guitar I think it's the first <laughs> song I played on guitar like it's one of those things and I would listen to the to the intro and I was like man I would just want to listen to this whole song because I didn't know the name and like <laughs> wasn't that close yeah, to the internet yeah, or yeah. something like that and then one of my neighbors like I was I was 11 or something like that you mm. know and she was like 30s they put on Camping Crest <laughs> yeah 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 no she, she, she told me I work on that radio <laughs> yeah, okay. Peter call me Call me on that day and I'll put your your song. And then I was like, man, okay. And I called and I, hey, I just want to count in girls. Uh, <laughs> um, Mr. Jones. And they played, that was it. Like, that was my first experience with, like, with asking Holly. for a song or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And it was for yourself. It's because it was your favorite song. Yeah, you just wanted yeah, to yeah, hear yeah. it. <laughs> and, I, and that's the only song that I know for them. I yeah. From yeah. Them, I, I think. Right, the most famous ones. Yeah. Music, no? What makes those songs from like the 80s and 90s so special to you? Because yeah. that's the thing, like it keeps mm, coming up. I, people love those songs still. Yeah. Like those songs are weirdly timeless, more so than maybe the song from the 60s and 70s. Like what is it about that time period for oh. you that makes it like special? Yeah, easy, easy. Okay, you two. Yeah. The, my mom and dad, they had With or Without You as their, their song. I'm our marriage song. And I would listen every time that we would go for for the beach, traveling to the beach, one hour, two hour travel. They would put you two, so I got, I was 
race listen to YouTube. 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 And I then, listened to that song this morning, by the way. Oh, <laughs> so, I also know that that song was it was a beast. Yeah. It wasn't even the main song. Like, yeah, yeah. He wrote it like in an afternoon. They just churned it out and put it as a B-side to another song because they were just like, oh yeah, and it was just dedication to his wife because he was touring a lot. Uh, you he know was, like, way more, like, YouTube is my band, like, I'll, like that's the one that I'll ever listen for yeah. forever. But, like, probably you know. Still? Yeah, for yeah, sure, okay. If I get to choose. But all my, my bands that I like, like is, like, around this kind of, you know, Creed, uh, Nickelback, Jovi. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. The recent, yeah, yeah. The recent stuff, man. I don't know if Ozier. Like take me to church. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 They, they are the ones that I like from from nowadays. I think, but I'm much more close to um, to the old ones. And actually, so why? Know. Like that's their old stuff. Man, that's what, a good question. Like, what, what makes that song feel like? I know it's I know it's like a, you've got that emotional. I know it's not it's not only it. with or without it, but man, I don't know. Like, I liked the lyrics or the song even before understanding English yeah okay and I, I think that's the beauty about music you know I can listen to a like I don't know a Russian music a Russian song and maybe feel attached to it you know just because of the melody or like we can feel the emotion from the the way that the singer is singing I don't know, mm. you know? yeah but now I understand the, the lyrics so it makes more sense to me but before it didn't so how did I get so much connected to the song? Yeah, I was gonna ask you that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think it's like this emotion connection, maybe, you know? To just the sound. Just to the sound, you know? Like, because, said, come like, on, man. Yeah, so you they know that this song. for 40 years, man. That's don't you my get argument. tired? It's definitely your <laughs> What is that? What is that? That's my argument Which? about <clears throat> the power of, of love songs. Well, he. he connected immediately just over he just overheard us talking about love songs he turned around straight away and wanted to talk to us not just about who we were but about love songs in general and something overhearing our conversation sparked in him that this was something he could universally also engage with with english as a second language with music english and music as a second language as well he was like i really get it and he did i mean it could have been the game <laughs> I also think he just reached a chapter in the game that was telling him Approach to... Approach a stranger <laughs> and connect with them on the topic that they were discussing. But he did. He did, and he did well. Are you falling for the game, Bonnie? I fucking negged me. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, wow, I love what you're talking about, but your eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> Have you thought about not being so bullshit in your conversation, woman? Mm. No. Hi, Pedro. Hi, Pedro. He's probably <laughs> listening. Good luck to him and his podcast. Yeah. Mm. I did like that idea of his podcast, though, the two languages. I just hope. Yeah. <laughs> Pedro, if you're out there. Pedro, if you're out there. You're bigger and better than the game. Mm. And the game, in general, is not something you should be reading in public. Yeah, we are not supporting of the game. No. It... Did you... Uh, have you discovered anything on your... Uh, on, so while I've been making this podcast, so yeah. I've been making this podcast, really trying to hunt Richard Mercer down in the friendliest, most polite way possible, <laughs> and it still got me out of my friendly, polite comfort you zone. You still did creepy things. Yeah, but it, it was yeah. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> how else are we going to get there, guy? How else no, will we get there? I think I think you played it really well. I think you read the situation well. So, you did creepy things to a point. And then I held back. 
We oh, could oh. still go to his house, Bonnie. Have we all not done Have creepy things to a point and, and then held mine, back? Yeah, and held back. <laughs> and now mine is just well documented and in the public sphere. Um, Part of your professional development. Mm. Um, I've I've learned that nostalgia is a powerful feeling, and I suppose I was surprised at how immediately people, friends and strangers, connected with the words Richard Mercer, and how immediately they wanted to tell me their very personal mm-hmm. attachment to that, and it never it always went straight to, I used to listen to Richard Mercer when I was doing this and that and I had this and that and like all of a sudden I felt like I personally was Richard Mercer because these people were opening up to me telling me about that it's all got quite meta um yeah there is definitely a thing of um uh Richard Mercer was inside you the whole time (laughs) or that like once you are talking about love songs with people like did you find when you're talking with love songs with people that you like you naturally talk about people's problems and life I mean I don't think to the extent that you do, though. You're like, you're very good at getting, like, you say hello to people and be like, hello, Tom, I've just been through a really bad breakup. Um, I really have got all these feelings. Can you talk to me? And I'm you're like, there. That's amazing. Have you, do you, bit your eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have found that. People have opened up to me very quickly, um, uh, which has been really lovely. And as it turns out, people do have favourite love songs, and they are all drastically different. The question you are so inclined to ask, what is your favourite love song? And the first time you do it, you realise that it's such a flawed question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it's so, it's so hard to... I like, can't give an answer. But, but because it's asking you to... Essentially, it's asking you to choose the best love song, you mm. know, and that, that's hard. Mm. But <laughs> what if... <laughs> All right. What? So, what if there is a best one, right? I mean, or like, what if there's one that is like uh, perfect love song, or like universal, or one that makes sense now? For instance, um, I was on a plane, mm-hmm. but coming back from Melbourne to Sydney, and I sat next to Donna. Donna was lovely. She was, uh, she was like in her seventies. She just had a hip replacement, um, and her doctor said that she shouldn't fly, but she really wanted to see her granddaughter. And I was like, you're the best, Donna. I'm so glad she's <laughs> next to you. Oh, Donna. <laughs> Donna. And at this phase, I was still definitely asking people, like, what's your favorite love song? And this is, uh, as part of this process of just asking everyone, I've learned not to ask that question, because uh, first of all, it sounds like a pickup line. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It is definitely opening a very particular type of discussion or whatever. Yeah. Um, I've had... It's interesting, like, I remember, like, when you were talking about you having an Uber driver, I asked my Uber driver that, and it made him really fucking uncomfortable mm. really quickly, and then I realized why, and I was like, I'm not... It's not that... Anyway, just around here is fine. And it was, it's just for research purposes. It's for research. Okay. And then I was like, yeah. Okay, Daryl. <laughs> Anyway, just behind that white car, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so Donna answered without hesitation, which was probably it's only the only time it's ever happened that I said, "What's your favorite love song?" And she's like, "Oh, it's Percy Sledge when a man loves a woman," and it's a good answer. Like it is a good answer. When a man loves a woman, 
Like it's as uh, to be so sure in that and to be know this thing and it is such an epic song. Like it, mm-hmm. as far as like power ballads go, it is power Powerful. ballad to the max, right? It is just um Percy Sledge is like at the top of his voice and screaming with this sort of like delicate um I don't know, soul under uh music backing and uh like it is the I don't know. It's like the template for what will become power ballads and love songs, uh, basically. Like, the pure love song. Until I was like, Donna, <laughs> I, while I respect this choice, don't you think that of having a song about a... That is explicitly about a man and a woman. It's very specifically heteronormative. And not even then, it is uh, also about this woman who... Uh, cheats on this guy or the guy thinks that he cheats on her and he goes crazy and it's all about how men act in a very certain way when women act in the very certain way that women behave in. And Donna said, you're overthinking it. And I was like, no, Donna, you're underthinking your favourite love song. And then that was more or less the end of the conversation. <laughs> and it was a very awkward flight the rest of the way. How early into the flight did you get? Did you hit that point? Look, I had to get through the hip replacement stuff first, um, <laughs> which was, you know, it was like it all is part of the conversation, right? Like, <sighs> But yeah. is that... I totally... Yes, I think there's like... Um, you think Donna's wrong as well. <laughs> I think Donna's deeply wrong, but I also... Because she obviously doesn't know Savage Garden. <laughs> obviously. Obviously. No, I think Donna's deeply wrong, but I also think that there's... You know, these songs and these people are also products of their time. And, like, um, it's hard. It's 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 a hard one because there are so many really popular, huge love songs that don't acknowledge major political and social movements that have happened since their release. And I think I personally cannot necessarily unpick my um, contemporary progressive intersectional feminist politics, perhaps one might say in a quick succession. Yeah, when, like when we're talking about like love, like love mm. is so fraught as if like you can't talk about love without talking about everything else, right? Mm-hmm. And like if you don't, if love is... You can't like exclude politics, and if you do, then no. something's wrong there. Like, it, like love, it should be carefree, and it kind of, even in the past year in Australian politics, it hasn't been carefree, right? No. Like, it was. I mean, love was under political. The, yeah. the major political. It was under debate. Yeah, like, is this worthy? And then it became about like, and you saw all sides of that argument. Oh, sorry, at least I mean, very flawed, messed up argument. You saw all these people saying things like, like sometimes it was just semantics, sometimes it was just about the word, and then it just always felt like, like uh, it was never just about that. It was always full of like hate and stupid, yeah. and it's like there is this idea that love is better than that, and it kind of should be, but it can't be. So the idea that love wins, you know, and that's. It was the whole your, yeah, your tagline, your slogan, yeah, and when well, not slogans, cheapens it. Like it was That's the whole, your... it was the the yeah, that was the whole campaign essentially, just to be like, hey guys, like just let love be the love thing. I guess it comes, it comes to there's something really interesting about like these love songs are supposed to be generic and supposed to be for everyone, and they're supposed to be free from this discussion, and like people talk about them as if they are, mm-hmm. and they just can't be, like. To think that these songs are separate from the world is 
a very it's it's impossible like they are mainstream culture right yeah they're uh you can judge a society based on its art or its heroes in its fiction or whatever so it's weird that songs i haven't seen songs be held up in the same way and there's a question there about like how Why far are we can... criticizing songs in the same way that we hold up? Yeah, you know, outdated TV shows or mm. quite the... clearly offensive old yeah. stereotyped stereotypes in movies or exactly. And there is, you know, and it's and it, okay, it is changing now. Like we have artists now who are uh, political, and in fact, the pop songs that we know and love now are political. I think we're getting current artists who are called out as well more. Yeah. And calling out each other. And calling and out like, each other. Yes, this is... Holding each other accountable. And it's like, pop music is actually doing that, right? Like, pop music yeah. is becoming naturally political. What's our responsibility to saying the greatest love song of all time is something that is heteronormative and mm. says men love women, women are crazy, men are angry. Yeah. The end. Like, how is that a healthy thing to uphold? And it's not that... The song is bad. It could also be that it just means rethinking and reshaping. And some of those songs are really hard to do. Yeah. I find that juicy or ripe or something that it's like, like, we can do that. That can be us. So, if we take these hundred love songs, mm-hmm. the, the what is mainstream culture, what is basically... Um, for, what, over 17 years, people requested the most. Which is a good data pool. I mean, it is mainstream Australian culture. Um, so, that's, that's you know... serious data research, yeah. Yeah. That is like a, 17 years of people between Sydney and Melbourne, major cities of Australia... Identifying what their most... Favourite love song is. Favourite love song is, yeah. And, you know, and we've heard, even in this, even in uh, the podcast alone, it's like we are covering, uh, like, different cultures and, you know, uh, different, I don't know... Uh, different sexualities and different identifiers and things like that. Like all mm. these things are popping up. So um, definitely in the as later, they should. as yeah. they should, because naturally they are there. Because yeah. um, this is the world. Because <laughs> it's the world, right? Like <laughs> like mainstream world is, is that. Like yeah. these people are present. So it's actually a pretty good data pool. I think it's like at least a decent amount of time to get some sort of understanding about mainstream culture, and then it's worth putting that through politics. Yeah. With this emotional weight. Yeah. Yeah. How do we take those hundred songs, work out, bring them into the the now and say, does this hold up? Yeah. If we said this was the best love song of all time, would everybody in a room be able to feel like it? Can Yeah. Can we find that song? Yeah. If you took a song and you played it to a room of people that represented every facet of Australia, could each one of them say, yes, I identify with that song? Because if they can't, Mm. It's not relevant. I don't want to play a song that means something to me that means nothing to my queer friends or to my friends who are women of colour. People keep asking us, what's this show going to be like? Or like, what is it? And I hate giving an answer to that. I know. I really want people not to um, care about that, which is hard because obviously... People are so, you know, you're desperate to know if I go for this experience, what's it going to look like, feel like, sound like? Yeah. I mean, the way I see it, it's that it's, um, whatever it is, it's going to have, obviously, the best soundtrack. Clearly. Like, the best soundtrack. Just so you all know, we've got the rights for most of them. Yeah. So, it's a really it's good a soundtrack. Legally it's a legally obtained soundtrack. Banger is, of a soundtrack. It's... 
<sighs> oh my god, oh. it's so good. Think of a love song. It's in the show. It's in the show, guys. I want people to have the feeling of walking into a space where they leave everything from that week at the door and they just are like beaten over the head with nothing but happiness and nostalgia for Yeah. And a bit more bit more feels than that. And then they leave feeling like they're on a cloud. Can, yeah, we, okay. can we give people that feeling? Yeah, I think there's a <laughs> it costs extra. <laughs> That's the thirty dollar ticket. <laughs> that extra cloud package. Yeah. Like, okay, so we need it to be joyous. Yeah. We need good soundtrack, like check, right? Yeah. Um good company, that's us, nailing yeah, that. We're great. Pretty good. Ten out of ten. Oh, it's an experience. But isn't it's it? an experience. Oh man, it is. It's a fucking experience. We've made an experience. Yeah. We've it looks it. a lot like a play though. <laughs> <laughs> it's an experience that it's looks, in, smells, in many, feels and sounds like a play. Ways, it's a play. But it's a funny play. And it's a joyous play. I think it's like a bunch of your best mates in a room who put on a play on the spot. Yeah, you're hanging out with your mates. Yeah, a hundred of your friends. And they are desperately asking their friends to watch the play. <laughs> yeah. Um, please buy tickets. Please buy tickets. Oh, my God. <laughs> if we had one ticket for every person in Australia... We would, we would give it to them. So, what I'm really asking is if every person in Australia Can just bought one show. ticket each... Or just every single... Every, every single Australian. Okay, all right. I'm going to bring it back to local. Every <laughs> single Australian if buys every person, one ticket at half price. If every person <laughs> who listened to this podcast bought a ticket per episode that they listened to... Oh, yes. Okay, right? now we're talking. sell out the season. Yes, obviously. If you've listened to seven episodes, see seven shows. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a good benchmark. Marketing. You know the way I think about it. Everyone talks about these songs being very generic, that they appeal to everyone. Mm-hmm. That is the one thing that you're supposed to be able to rely on. That it's like, yes, these pop songs... They are written for literally they everyone. literally written for everyone. That is the, the way that you... That's the way people criticize it. That's mm-hmm. people say, like, that's why they're bad. Or that is the way, the way you can write them off. Mm. And it's like, if that is true, then these should all last then these are all still relevant. And the one thing we're going to prove is that some of these songs have to go. Yeah. But through that, if there is one that lasts, then it has to be the greatest love song of all time. Like, it, it is, if, it's, if it can somehow transcend, not transcend, but like follow p- the politics, follow changing polit- political um, movements or uh, social causes, mm-hmm. and also still have an emotional attachment, mm-hmm. and also still be full of joy. Mm-hmm. And also and still be structurally a great song. Stu- structurally a great song, has to sound great, has to... Like, there's so many things that you want from a love song, and we're just adding these extra caveats that is like, we want them to still be relevant. Yeah. And if these songs truly are generic as they are, then it should be so easy. It should be. You really want these songs to survive. So, come along and find out, guys. Are we taking into account bias? Who are we to say what We'd the greatest crazy. love song of all time is? We'd be crazy not to. I mean, I feel like bias is an important part. Like, if you're aware of your own bias. I mean, like, first of all, we are two white people. We're two white people. Like, We're two cis white people. We have, like, bias. Yeah. 
to recognize your own bias allows you to kind of empathize with others. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, whatever song we find of the most requested love songs of all time should be the most empathetic song ever. Well, fuck me. All right, then. All right, let's do that. We can <laughs> let's do just it. find the most empathetic and the greatest love song of all time. I reckon we can do it in an hour ten tops. You're on. You're on. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so one more thing. Hang, hang on. Hello, this is Tom. G'day, Hi. Tom. How are you, mate? Sorry, who's this? I'm Richard Mercer. Um... That was the second last episode of Missing Richard Mercer, featuring Bonnie Lee Dodds, Tom Hogan, a Brazilian guy named Pedro, and Richard Mercer. Our theatre show, Love Song Dedications Without Richard Mercer, opens next week. Tickets are available at missingrichardmercer.com and please come. Scubbity-bop-boop. I'm still talking to myself. I'm sitting in the room. <laughs>